The Up With The Bonnets podcast is brought to you by Hilltown Electrical. Hilltown Electrical deals with both domestic and commercial jobs. You can find them on Facebook or by contacting them on 07793 847 390. On the Up With The Bonnets podcast this week, we have a special guest who has played for Falkirk, Aberdeen, Dundee, Ross County and Scotland. With 78 first team appearances, 4 goals and a first division winner's medal, we welcome Brian Irvin onto the show. So make yourself comfortable and listen to what Brian Irvin had to say to the Up With The Bonnets podcast. Hi Brian, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good for meeting me, Danny. Thanks for having me on me on your show today. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for coming on, obviously. Um, yeah, it's uh, always good to reach out and speak to XDs and get their thoughts on their career at Dens and you know what, what they got up to afterwards and that. So it's uh, great to have you on. I'm on today. I'm heading towards Dundee. I'll, I'll bypass Dundee and go to Edinburgh because I go down to Edinburgh. Uh, twice, twice a week, I go to Edinburgh to take a, uh, pick up a man with limb difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take him down on the Monday from Inverness to his home in Edinburgh, and I'll go down today on a Friday, pick him up from his care home in Edinburgh, and take him back to his mum and dad's house in Inverness for the weekend. So that's that's one job I do now uh, with care work and just escorting this man with limb difficulties. Oh yeah, because uh, I, I did read. Uh, a couple of years ago, you joined the police force as well. So, take it. Have you moved on from the police force? Yeah, just a, just after I left the police, I, I did the. I started. Well, I did a year in the Ross County Football Academy after I, I left the police as well. Um, the police and the flights would have been a good job to stick stick with because I really enjoyed um, the time I had in, in the police. But I think at this stage in my life, I was very late in joining. Fifty two when I joined, so it was like kind of older than my tutor and things like that, which was difficult when he's showing you how to do the job. And I'm like, could be dad almost, <laughs> you know. So it, it was it was just a good job, just just another experience in life, you know. I worked in the bank before football. The main part of my life has been football with the different teams I've played for. I've done other things as well. I think that's important. I've got a work ethic. You just want to do that. You just want to keep, keep yourself involved in, you know, things you think are helping people and that's what I try to do. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, obviously speaking about football, yeah, as a youngster, you started off at Falkirk um, and obviously you were there for a few seasons and then you made your, oh, at the time would have been a, a big move to Aberdeen, still a force in Scottish football, a big force. Yeah. Was that a, a, a pinch the skin moment for yourself when you had that Alex Ferguson was looking at you? Yeah, totally. I was an Aberdeen fan, even though I came from, I brought up in the Central Belt, but my mum and dad are originally from Aberdeenshire, so home was always visiting my relatives up north. So to then get a chance, just after I'd won the European Cup Winners' Cup, to be signed by Aberdeen, as you say, I think in the description, a pinch yourself moment. And I suppose it's one of these life-changing moments in your, in your, your life that has totally redirected the, the things you're doing today, even though you're not directly involved in football you've got connections through your football over the years that have led to for example now still doing volu- 
voluntary coaching that I would never be doing now without that football school time opportunity that I got in particular at Aberdeen. You know, mm-hmm. at Aberdeen under Alec Ferguson was, was a, a second sound a cliche, but was a dream come true for me to get a chance to play with Aberdeen, who were the top team in Aberdeen in Scotland at that time, mid eighties. Yeah, uh, I mean they still had plenty of uh, big names in their squad, uh, and probably two that kept you out the team. I think initially would be Willie Miller and Alex McLeish. Um, they were still, I think the 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 pillars in defence. Um, Take it. You just had to to bide your time until an opportunity well, arose. Yeah, I, I knew that was the case because I had the chance to go to Charlton as well at the same time from Falkirk, uh, which was an appealing move as well. Because they wanted to put me straight into their first team at nineteen from Falkirk, which might have been a bit too soon. Whereas Aberdeen was more longer term. Alec and Molly were the recognised centre backs. I would never want to replace them ever, and certainly not initially. Anyway. But obviously, with coming to the end of career, Willie, first of all, then the opportunities to, to break into the first team came. And, you know, I played alongside Big Alec for 10 years. Uh, so that was a guy I was clo- closer to. That both Willie and Alec obviously have a lot of respect for. Um, and I'm just so thankful for what I learned from them. You know, as two football players, and particular Alec, but off the park, I think I learned an awful lot from Alec that stood me in good stead for from a football career but also just think of life in general that, mm. that's why Alec for example is such a good man man being a good ma- uh, manager sorry because he's such a good man manager he can he could help you alongside your, your football but he could also help you as a person uh, you know so I really got a good bond and relationship with Big Alec over the years since like, I played for Alec, with Alec for 10 years before he moved on to become a manager at Motherwell first of all Ask you so there was no uh, feelings from either player saying that there's this big oh this is a big youngster uh, trying to take for spot there was no ill feelings or that it was take you under the wing and uh, give you their expertise yeah hundred percent yeah I mean, I mean it's funny enough when you say that probably the only thing with Wally was it was quite hard for Wally coming to the end of his career so five years into my Aberdeen career myself you know by that time I'm kind of pushing that just to replace him, but to, to play alongside and play in the first team in, in, in 1990 with the Scottish Cup final with the fine, final of the one in penalties. Wally was still hanging on for the, at the end of his career and hoping to be playing, but it was me who was picked instead. So, you know, in that respect, just like anything in football, you're competing against your opponent, you're also competing amongst your teammates for your place in the team. So there's a wee bit of... Um, that was a difficult time probably for Wally because it's understandable a legend as he is at Aberdeen here was a young youngish player taking his place in another Scottish Cup final and so there was a wee bit I think that would be uh, Wally would answer that better than me you know but I thought you know I was just concentrating my own situation trying to get in the team and uh, thankfully did but I know for Wally that would have been particularly disappointing that he didn't get picked to play in that 1990 Scottish Cup final kind of to finish his career in the high as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the 1990 Scottish Cup final, you were the main man to take the, was it the ninth penalty? I think it was eight all on penalties at the time and you were well, the man to it, take it. It was even worse, it was the 10th because there, there was one missed again from Celtic and Aberdeen. So it was 9-8-1 and I hit the nine, the, the winning goal to make it 9-8, sorry, but that was the 10th penalty. So I wasn't first in the queue by any manner of means, you know. I was obviously doing 
not really want to hit one. But when it came came round, I was just there was no nowhere else to go, and so thankfully as well, it was to win it. So there was less pressure, if you like, than the guys before who had to score or else were were Celtic had won it. So I always think it it's great to get the glory, but I, I would qualify that by saying it. You know, there is less pressure to hit the winning one because it's you know if you missed it, they're still going to carry on. Whereas the guys before, if they missed, were beaten. So yeah, and it's just a, a highlight of my league career. I think a highlight of anybody's career is to hit a winning penalty like that. Um, people say you don't like to see to see penalty kicks, you know. But I think if you win the penalty kicks. <laughs> You take it all day, you know. So that was just a highlight of my career. You must have thought to yourself, "I'll put my name down tenth. Then I'll no, I'll no have to take a penalty. No, I'm that pressure, and then it happens." <laughs> yeah, no. As I said, there was no hiding at this this stage. But um, yeah, I didn't really think. I thought nil nil as a centre half, you'd done your job, keeping a clean sheet with the team, and now it's up to the guys to to hit the penalties. But it just kept going on and on. It was one of those days and then it just transpired, obviously, it was not just to, to keep us in the, the pit shootout, it was to actually win the shootout. So it was pretty unique and as I say, even now, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> I, I didn't realise uh, during your time at Aberdeen, you finished runners-up five times in the league. I think three of them were in, three in a row and then a couple of times after that, it must have been a bit heartbreaking. You know, it's a, a season's a long slog, isn't it? It's it's not just like a cup where it could just be a, a one-off here and there, but it's a, it's over a whole year. Uh, how did how is that as a player like, to miss out on a league winners medal like, five times? Oh yeah, I think the year we, when we were top of the league in the last game against Rangers, we only had draw Ibrox and we just didn't quite manage to get that draw that day. Um, so that was the hardest one, 19, 1981. But, you know, we ran Rangers close throughout their nine in a row. Looking back, it's not as hurt. It doesn't hurt so much now with, with time passing, you know, but at the time it was definitely a, a sore one to just accept. And now you're looking back thinking, well, at least you were runners up to the, the Premier League five, five of those times, you know, which is a lot of players would happily take runners up. But, you know, you're always trying to win and you wanted to win. And, I think the year, as, as I keep saying, 91, when we were there in the last game at Ibrox, we lost the game 2-0 to allow Rangers to overtake it. It was the hardest one to take, uh, Danny. Yeah, I can imagine that one. I, I remember seeing highlights of that one. Uh, big game atmosphere. Uh, it, on the highlights, it just seemed like Rangers just showed up that day and it just seemed like everything went for them, big crowd behind them. And... They were at home. Uh, I, funny enough, I wasn't, well, I'm not funny enough, but I wasn't playing. I was I was injured. I played through the season with an injury in the last two or three games. It was just getting too much. It was a groin injury and it was just getting, even with tablets and painkillers, I wasn't able to get comfortable enough to play. So I didn't play the last two or three games. I'm watching from the side and I think that was even worse. You know, I think when you're watching it, there's nothing you can do and you know you've played your part throughout the season but now when it comes to the bit we're going to see it over the line yeah at the time it was definitely a hard one but you know in reflection looking back now you, you, you don't take it quite so personally or so t- uh, hard you just, it's just it, what wasn't to be mm-hmm. that's all you can say really <laughs> Um, so like fast forward to 1997 you had your testimonial I believe it was against Wimbledon but yeah. at the end of that season you were released from 
Aberdeen or your contract wasn't renewed. Was that something you were expecting to, to be happening or was it just kind of sprung on you? And I believe it was uh, Roy Aitken was the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was sprung on me, I think, because he, he found it difficult to tell me. And so he was, he was saying, well, we'll, we'll meet him again or we'll meet you again in a couple of weeks' time. Kept going right to the end of the season and he finally and he'd let two or three players go before that. So you're thinking, well, I haven't, no news is good news. But no, when it came to the I think the day before the last game of that season, that's when I found out that I was going to get released. So that was a low point. Um, because, you know, I think when I just hoped I'd have finished my career at Aberdeen. And so to get told you're getting released from Aberdeen, especially during your testimonial season, it, it kind of, that's as low as it felt it could be at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, there, uh, Aberdeen's loss was Dundee's gain. Um, but looking back, I've got a lot of scrapbooks, obviously, around the time of Dundee. And looking back, uh, you had interest from a few teams, I believe St. Johnson and Ross County with them, uh, were the ones that were looking yeah. at you as well. Um, but it was funny because in one of the local papers up here, it was, I think it was the, the morning before you signed, basically the what they were putting up was you, you were coming to Dundee. So I take it Dundee was your preferred choice. I, I continue to live in Aberdeen, you see. So I could live in Aberdeen and it's okay, it's still an hour, but it's, it was a manageable commute, especially when there was four of us, Gavin Ray, Jerry O'Driscoll, Hugh Robertson and myself, and turned to be another goalkeeper. Um, so the reserves that was one of the guys. So it was five of us, really. So we just shared the car. So you are only driving once a week, really. Uh, and some nights, most a lot of t- weeks, I would stay down on a Friday for a game. Um, you know, so it was manageable. So it was always my intention when I found out when yeah, D were interested. The, the biggest pool was probably Hibs, uh, because Big Alec was the manager of Hibs at the time. You know, so that was a, a strong pool to go to, to Hibs. But I think just the, the fact that to continue living in Aberdeen, more motivations to sign for them because obviously it has to be they're happy with the team. And I was happy. I just John McCormick was the manager, and he sold it well to me. And I was, I was really excited about coming in the winning the championship at the time. But um, you know, we obviously won the championship in the first season, and so I could see the potential in the team. Um, we had a change of manager with Jockey Scott to replace John McCormick, and I think that was a good choice because Jockey took us to the next level, especially in the Premier, and. We, well, you know, he had, we handled the Premier well. And, and when I finished the two years at Dundee, I thought, well, I couldn't have went better. And, I mean, it was a shorter career than my 12 years at Aberdeen, but in many ways, my two years at Dundee were the highlight of my career in some respect. Never mind the Scottish Cup final or what I did at Aberdeen. I think just the times I had at Dundee were really positive. I played every game, apart from suspensions. I missed a couple through suspensions, but other than that, and I remember the headline in the paper when I signed and John McCormick stood by me because it said who would want to sign a, a footballer with MS because I'd been diagnosed with MS and you know that was quite awkward to the directors and they, they tried to change the contract that we'd made it wasn't a high level pro- contract I'd signed anyway it was just a um, you know the agreement was what we'd agreed but they wanted to reduce it in case I didn't I play so much having the condition that John McCormick or Cowboys who's nicknamed are called he was, um, he was fair to me, and he just said, oh, "I'm not changing anything." And basically, if, if the directors wanted to change what they'd offered, what he'd offered me, then he would he would basically walk. So that just showed how level how his level of backing he was. And I got that 
encouragement right from the start. With a good first season, won the championship, even better second season. We finished above Dundee United, finished in fifth in the Premier. I don't know if Dundee have finished higher than that over the years, but you know, finished a real uh, strong finish. I remember beating Aberdeen two one at Petardry and thinking, you know, we're about three or four games to go. You know, I wasn't punching the air at the Aberdeen fans. It, it was nothing against Aberdeen fans, but as you say, I just felt as if I'd proved Roy Aitken wrong and let me go from Aberdeen two years earlier. Ironically, Roy, Roy Aitken wasn't even a manager. It was now Aberdeen had changed their management. I think it was Paul Hegarty who was the caretaker manager at the time when we beat them 2-1. Um, and then we beat Indy United 2-0, I think it was, at, at uh, Tanadice, just to seal that fifth spot. Uh, which was a, a great achievement for Dundee to finish fifth in the Premier League in, back in '99. Uh, yeah, and uh, you got the ball rolling in that game. You got the the first goal, a header. Well, that was that was one of. I mean, you know, most of my goals were tap ins or post scrambles and things, you know. But that was one of these goals that I did think that was a good goal because I got up some height. Um, corner came in from Hugh Robertson and um, out jumped Steve Dykstra in the, in the United goal. To head it in, so that that was quite a, a height. I must have got up because Dykstra was a tall man himself, and it landed just loaded straight into the, the. I don't know what you call it, the tanner they send that the Dundee fans were in. Is it oh, shed the shed? Or something? Yeah, the shed. shed. What a moment that was! Just looking at all the Dundee fans celebrating at this goal, and and then I think it was James Gray to get the second one in injury time just to seal the victory. Yeah, and it was uh, like you said, it was the f- highest we'd finished since well, once since we won the league in nineteen sixty one sixty two, and it was the first time we've finished above United in something like yeah. twenty five years. And yeah. I think even at the time, I think United were still in relegation trouble. So, and and Dundee knew what this victory meant. So it was a kind of like a party atmosphere for the Dundee fans. Yeah, yeah. and that that, that rounded off the two years because. You mentioned Ross County I've been looking for me, so I, I didn't feel at that stage I was ready to go to a club like Ross County. Maybe this two years on, I was now 34, and I thought, well, maybe this is the stage to, to think about a club like Ross County who are in the probably the probably the division one now, but the third tier in the league. So I, I thought that was the time maybe to consider a Ross County because Dundee had made it clear through Jockey that. I wasn't going to really get a new con- I would get a new contract, but it was basically the same as what I'd signed just two years earlier. Which doesn't really in football you kinda you've learned that you kinda deserve to get an improvement of of some sort. But I didn't get any improvement at all and, and so it was a token offer because they'd signed Stephen Tweed and really in right or wrong jockey's eyes, that was what he wanted to um take the next step with people like Stephen instead of myself. And that understandable as well. We're looking back again, you think, well, I was, getting, I was 34, getting on a bit. I'd done my job. And f- football is, you know, everybody's got a shelf life and, and maybe my shelf life was up. Just like when I left Aberdeen, I thought it was wrong. But you'll always feel that way as a player. And it's ultimately down to the club to decide, you know, do you want you or you, do, do they not want you? So... They just didn't really want me, but they at least made me the offer of a contract because I had kind of had a good couple of seasons, hadn't done anything that made them think they could let me go. But it was a, a, an offer that was easily refusable because it just wasn't, I mean, it was the same offer, if, if it's slightly better that I got from Ross County in the third tier. So that shows how, you know, we're speaking 
thousands of pounds. We're speaking hundreds of pounds here that I was getting offered. So um, uh, just it was just a token offer that the uh, jockey had made. But that was his job, and that you know, there's no hard feelings, and that was that was just what I had to accept. And so the next stage was just moving on to Ross County. Yeah, about the the contract offer from Dundee, I, I read some interviews with yourself, and you even said that. Even if they offered if Dundee up to a two year deal, you still would have accepted it on the terms. And you have mentioned it was more a basic wage, but that didn't matter to you because it was security for yourself and you you, you liked playing for Dundee. So you you could have got more money someplace else, but you just wanted the the extra year security, yeah. um, which is understandable. And it's uh, it's not what because I was still young at the time. Uh, so like contracts and ins and outs of what's happening, you don't really uh, know much about it, especially social media. Around, uh, there was none of that at the time. So you never yeah. really knew about this. But when you're looking back at old newspaper archives and you read that and you're just like, can you, you do think, well, why did the club know just give a two-year deal then? Because like you say, you'd been a constant performer. There wasn't really any dips in your performances either. Uh, you got some crucial goals for Dundee. Um, yes. It would seem like a, no, a no-brainer. And, and remember the last game of the season against St Johnston, the Dundee fans just kept singing your name because obviously there was oh. talk in the papers that you're not getting yeah. a contract and, uh, and leaving Dundee. So uh, even like the fans singing it, you it's frustrating when you look back at stuff like that. But I know what you mean about managers having their own vision and bringing yeah. in like Stephen Tweed and everything. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got their own ideas and you did, you as a player obviously have a different idea because you're kind of biased towards yourself because you believe in yourself obviously. But, but you know, again, my hindsight with reflection over the years, I don't have any grudges, hard feelings, just thankful for the two good years I enjoyed it and being as I said in many ways we're better than many the 12 that I've ever been you know so that's that shows it's, it was a good two years but I'm thinking that way towards all that I did at Aberdeen this was as good as you know so I mean I was never into finances as a player anyway I never had an agent I didn't negotiate very well for something that was unreasonable it was just it was the, the offer that I was given just was it was a token offer it was less than what it was the same offer sorry it's what I signed but of course during the Premier League years sorry the year that we're in the Premier League the players that had been signed from there were now double at least double what, what we were on in the Championship in terms of contracts so you know to then play alongside your new, new teammates in the Premier who are already on double wages anyway if not more you know that's that's not about money, that's just the principle, isn't it? That we could talk about it all day because it, it just wasn't to be. And just Jockey made his mind up. And Jockey's a good manager uh, and was a good manager. And his choice was to go with Stephen uh, instead of myself. I'd done my two years and then it was up to the, the new guys to come in. And, well, Stephen was already in the, in the team anyway, you know, uh, alongside me, Barry, Barry Smith as well. So to sum it up, it was just a great two years and I'm thankful for those two years indeed. When you left Dundee Osley, you went to Ross County and I think Dunfermline were looking for you as well. Um, but Dunfermline had just got promoted to the Premiership. No, no, they were already in the Premiership, sorry. Yeah. But uh, I, I read that you chose Ross County because you didn't want to come back up against Dundee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing about Ross County was, was it they were in the... Um, Probably the third tier, whatever that is now, first 
first division, but it was the second division when I went. We got promoted into the championship that first season. But I just wanted to be at this stage, 34 year old, just wanted to be playing. I thought putting something back type of thing for the young players at Ross County. Kind of, there's a few experienced players like Mickey Walker, McGow, myself. But on the, it was young players like Stevie Ferguson, um, Kenny Gilbert, and the, the, the team at uh, Ross County. I wanted to try and help them. Um, and so, yeah, I went there for three years and then ended up an extra year, signed a four years. So it took me to 39, finished my career at 39, probably a year too long. Because it's that way you're trying to play as long as you can without, again, reflecting. Reflecting and looking back and thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm too old now. But, but when you're 39, you still think you're 21. And mm-hmm. you can you think you can play on and on, but you, again, you probably can't. So, um, no, Ross County, it's one of those ones, sliding door moment, you think, could have went somewhere else? And there could have been more exciting ways to finish my career, I think. But I think I enjoyed the, the four years at Ross County. Neil Cooper was a manager who's no longer with us, but, you know, um, I think, yeah, I think I, I don't... I think when I look back at my career, Dundee was a high, Aberdeen was a high, and obviously I started at Falkirk, and with Ross County, a good end. I kind of would put that one as the jury's out. I don't know. I would have liked, maybe you said Inferno, I wouldn't have liked anything that, I wouldn't have liked anybody that was playing against Dundee, so that was out. But with coaching and stuff I've done after playing, America and stuff, you know, but an agent who could connected maybe clubs in America and things like that at the level I've coached at, not quite the MLS, but the US USL, just a, almost equivalent to Ross County level in, in Scotland. Thing would have been exciting, and who knows what I could. And to play to 39, I thought it was a good a good innings. Obviously, I always found it quite noble when you mentioned about like you didn't want to come up back up against Dundee, but fast forward about. Um, a couple of years, uh, Dundee got paired against Ross Company in the cup. And who's the the man who scored the first goal? And yeah, Ross Company beat Dundee as well. It was yourself, wasn't it? Oh, I've got a good memory, but <laughs> an example of my time. How time time wears your memory. I can't be can't even remember that game. But what I do remember, what you're saying about, but that time it's not quite as raw. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I think. To leave Dundee and then go to Dunfermline or something like that and come back and play against Dundee that season, that would have been just too raw. But I think a couple of seasons had moved, you know, you'd moved on and you, the following season we played, and it wasn't the league, it was a cup game. Um, yeah, I can't even remember the game, to be honest, though, Danny. But I mean, I think I would have done the honourable thing. I, I wouldn't have celebrated the goal, you know, they've just. I think I did that before when you score a goal against a team uh, like so the Aberdeen game when we beat the Aberdeen 2-1 at Pitordre in the league you weren't I mean the celebration was your hand in the air for a goal or, you know I think that's a good point with the Dundee game that I can't even remember but you know <laughs> by that time it was a league cup and um, you know maybe it was just a, a wee bit the edge was just off it a bit um, it certainly would have been hard to be up against Dundee in, in the league every not every week but playing against them in the league you know, try to compete against them in the league that, that's a different scenario I think Danny mm-hmm. uh, going back to 
and back about uh, 1995 when you were diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how does yeah. how does that affect a player? Uh, obviously, both physically and mentally, and especially at the the age you were at that that must have been really hard to deal with. Yeah, oh, very. I mean, you've just got to again reflect and and in actual fact after that, I played as many games, if not more, than before mm-hmm. in my career because I played to thirty nine. It was a mid career. But it also had effect. I mean, there's a headline when I signed for them. It must be one of the papers. Somebody put, excuse me, who, who'd want to sign a player with MS? You know, and I think it does kind of hold you back a little bit, not having an agent. Um, you know, you're kind of damaged goods in some respects in terms of towards the end of your career, especially. And you just can't, all you can do, Danny, is prove people wrong or just try and prove it. You know, you're playing week in, week out. As a football player, whatever job you do, you do your job as best you can. Being thankful for how you take it for granted in some respects. Well, I never, I never ever take my health for granted now. Every day I'm thankful for it. So that's a positive in some respects. Um, because I've been thankful that I'm I'm generally quite quite well. I don't really have any issues. But people's perception of you is that you're kind of damaged. You're damaged, aren't you? Yeah, I noticed. Uh, I was reading your biography. Well, it's a biography on the uh, website that I, that I do the D archive, and it was written by Kenny Ross. Obviously, writes a hell of a lot of player profiles for everybody, and he and he says that at the press conference when you signed, um, you said, "I hope you write Brian. I hope you write Brian Oven was rubbish today, um, instead of uh, uh, a not Brian Oven committed Christian and MS sufferer." Um, again, just people's. Yeah. Perception and stuff like that. I thought that was quite good. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I used to think that. I mean, there was like a paragraph before I even whatever I'd done in the game. You know, but my my background and um, hopefully there wasn't. A, he was rubbish today. It was a, a good solid game today. But <laughs> get, the the main thing was just getting to the point. What was I doing on the park? Was it good or was it bad? Instead of all the baggage or the background that you know I was built up over my career. At, um, in their own right at a place that just you know on the game that day I wasn't even thinking about that I'm just thinking of doing your best in the job in the game you're trying to defend or win for Dundee and, and that was the point I was trying to make so it's a good one you picked up on there, <laughs> Going back to when you signed initially for Dundee it was a fairly young squad I think if you took it Billy Thompson and Darius Adamchuk, and this was before Jim McNally signed. The the average age was something like twenty four. Barry Smith was the captain. He was twenty three at the time. Uh, so when you came in, were you maybe seen as uh, maybe one of the the older heads in the dressing room straight away? The the would it be the right word enforcer, somebody not to mess yeah. with and keep the players in, yeah. in place. Well, credit to John McCormick for the mix. You know, the manager's job is just getting the mix of players. And I think the youth he had there was, was excellent, but they needed some experience in Jim McNally and myself, uh, Darius Adamjuk, and, and obviously Billy, the goalkeeper. That was a good mix along with the youth. And so credit to John for getting that mix in the first place without uh, whatever he did in the coach, in the training or the coach, and the, you know, the, the, the tactics. That's, that's a different story, but he definitely got the mix right. Just that combination of the a bit of experience and the youth was a good combination that, that kind of paid its way 
the way we kind of walked the championship that year. You know, we, we won the, the league with, what was it, five, six games to go. Uh, you know, we, we never took it for granted, but you were always, again, looking back, thinking we, did, we won that comfortably, the, the championship. Yeah, I mean, we got off to an absolute flyer that season. And uh, I, I would have to go back to check it's 100% fact, but it seemed like we were just top of the league all the way throughout. Like nobody, not that anybody came near. There was challengers, but Dundee just always just seemed to be like two, three wins ahead. Uh, I take it that there was, yeah. that was just a belief in the players that anybody they came up against, they, they could just beat them. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, we we didn't hammer teams, but we beat everybody. You know, maybe it's two 0 maybe it's three one or whatever. But you never you never beat somebody six nothing. You weren't so far ahead at MD that you were too good for MD in the league. That you know you just were comfortably ahead. Um, there was that belief in the in the in the team, and I think I think the experienced players kept the young feet, the young guys' feet in the ground. And you know we always were. He's won five in a row. You weren't thinking, oh, this is too easy and you're just setting yourself up for defeat in your next game. You were just as hungry for the win in the next game as you were at the start of a run. So we always kept the young boys in check and that's what I mean about John McCormick and then Jockey carrying it on. Had put it in place, the mix of the players, whether it be the ability, whether it be the enthusiasm, whether it be the fitness, the youth or the experience, just all worked together and it just was a perfect ingredients for the cake being a successful cake if you like when you're baking a cake <laughs> yeah uh, I, I've always thought that you always get yourself a good blend of young players and you always get a good, good yeah. blend of uh, players that have been and done it as well and they just pass yeah. on what they've done because um, young players the, the heads can go down if there's a few bad results yeah. if you get stuck in a rut somehow and then if you get people that have been there done it saying look it's not as bad as what you what you think we just got to yeah. get out there and get a, a positive make, result and just making the best of your ability as well because you're not all world beaters right you're all good standard to make it professionally but you're not all but, you know you, I would work alongside Robbie Rayside for example um, and the, um, Robbie's and some I would say with Robbie for example he wasn't the quickest but you know you, you don't concentrate on the fact he's not quick. You just concentrate on what he's good at. And he was good at winning a ball. He was good at a great passer of a ball. So you'd work on extra stuff in training to emphasise his good points. Um, still work if you can and the, the weaknesses. So we'd work in sprints and quick feet and things like that to try and get sharpened up. And I think we Robbie did work. And the two of us had a good good uh, relationship and a good understanding playing at the back for Dundee. We interviewed one player, uh, Dave Rogers, and he always <laughs> says that it was the his best time playing football was with Dundee. So he said the the squad of players that won the league that season, even on Twitter uh, or X, that's called now. It's uh, he's always loving the fact that fans still speak to him about it, and he just he, he can't speak highly enough of the whole team that term. Uh, he seemed like a bit of a, a mad character, to be fair. <laughs> Dave is a character I love it um, I'd love to know where Dave is now I'm not too sure he's definitely manager of a team um, yes. so yeah, I can imagine the the, the kind of bollocking he's given players if they've no pulling their weight because I can no. imagine he doesn't hold back 
Dave was a character. He was a, <laughs> a typical Liverpool guy, and he was so funny. And Jim McInally, myself and Dave, you know, an unlikely trio there that we used to have some good laughs um, and just have a, every day a different combination to what they put into the, the conversation. You know, I wasn't a one-liner king or anything like that, but, you know, he'd have some funny laughs and Dave was, Dave was a one-liner. He was just such a funny guy and a good player as well, definitely a good player. Yeah, he always uh, has his one big regret was listening to his agent when it came to contracts and that's how he also left on and he said that's the one that kind of always sticks with him he would like to have stayed much longer but I guess he always says it's hindsight looking back now um, but he's, he's, he's still he was across at Dens not too long ago actually yeah. taken in again so he got a good reception a bit longer yeah but, um, that's we, going now great guy Dave yeah when when you walked into the dressing room initially and I, I it was a team, obviously we've said that they're all quite young, but they're all fairly a new squad. Um, was there any people that you, you you looked at initially and you thought, these are these are players here, I've, I've, I've definitely made the right choice in coming to Dundee, we can do something special? Well, the obvious one was, he never got a chance into John McCormick, was Gavin Ray, but Jockey saw the potential in Gavin, I saw potential in Gavin as well, but you know, I'm not a manager, so I couldn't influence the manager at the time. But but Jockey brought Gavin into the team, and of course, Gavin went on to greater heights. You know, after it looked as if his, his career could have been over, he was getting loaned out to Brecon and things like that when he wasn't making it in the B team. And I could see some potential in Gavin, and um, you know, but then it, it was Jockey that gave him the chance in his team, and he. He took his chance and played his part in the Premier League and then obviously moved on to Rangers, played for Scotland. So, you know, Gavin was a player that I saw potential there. The funny one was a, a winger, Ian Anderson. Ando was a character, a really good player. Should have been a better player, but just a wee bit kind of, his mind was just his mind, you know. And I, I don't know what Ando's doing now, but Ando was a great player, a great winger. Um, it's all potential in him definitely um, I think he went abroad did he, did he go to France after didn't he yeah but, I think it was Toulouse he signed for I think it was Toulouse. a year after you left he, he went across there so so I think he had potential um, James Grady Eddie Annan were just goal scorers good, good players you know really good in the championship did really well in the Premier League as well so they were good players it was just a, a good standard of player that they were potentially good enough to be good Premier League players. Certainly, were, that's why we, we, we did so well in the Championship. You know, really good players. Um, across the, tweet, the team, Darry Sadamchik, you know, a quality player. Barry Smith was captain of Dundee, a young captain. Was he, did he come to you yeah. to speak to you and get advice and how to deal with things? Yeah, we had a conversation with Barry and um, most the guys. I mean, he was based in Glasgow and they would, there was the, the the West boys come through in the car with their car, so they kind of were a team. So they, they had their own little, not a clique, but, you know, they were they kind of motivated each other and, and I was, we were coming from the north. So, but there was, wasn't cliques as in we didn't get on, we all got on, but just that they were closer to each other. I think Barry was probably closer to the West West Coast boys, but I've got great respect for Barry. I think what he did during my time and beyond after I left and before I had came to the, you know, Gary's, yeah, Barry's done a fantastic job in his, his, his Dundee career and, and he also went, did a bit of coaching and management after playing as well, which is a good sign that, you know, he had something about him. 
Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he came back and helped Dundee through their darkest times as well, managing yeah. us. Um, yeah, we done a managers event and he was there and he was fantastic. He yeah, very open. He doesn't shy away from any questions. So he he comes across. Yeah. He, he could come across as quite a shy character, but he, he's definitely not. Yeah, it's just uh, always thought he use older players to 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 gauge on how he would deal with with situations and and stuff like that. And that's probably what helped build him up to be the the, the captain and and manager that he was down the line. Well, I think he's a manager. If I was a manager, and, and I, I never got. A, I think this is a short spell in management, but if I had a long career in management, I think I would have saw the value of getting people in the right positions to help you. Because as a manager, you're not maybe good enough to do the, the whole package job. So it's important that you get the right people in to do the right area of job, cover that, that job with somebody that's more kind of qualified to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Barry was good at, getting alongside people and realising who, who could do what he wasn't doing. And that, that's what I would probably do as a manager because I, I wouldn't be able to manage certain areas are probably quite weak. Maybe too nice to be a manager or whatever, that type of thing. That kind of patronising way, but just, you know, making that hard decisions. You've got you've got to make those decisions, but you've got to also get the players. You can't just lose them. So you've got to keep the players on side. So I think he would be clever enough to get the, the, his coaching team so they get the mix of it when I spoke about the cake being right for the team on the park the team's got to be right off the park as well so I think that's where Barry was good at getting, getting his, his mix of um, people that he back him up because he was a very quiet guy but he was quiet on the park as well but he was effective on the park he made up for his lack of work in the park by his, his steady performances and his good performances if you think well Barry can rely on Barry to be alongside me as a defender or help us as a team, you know, he would make up for that quietness but just that positive performances he put week in, week out. One of the big talking points of the that season was not just winning the league. It's also something you've mentioned at the start at the podcast was uh John McCormack. He's also sacked uh yeah. during the season. Jockey Scott was brought in. I mean we weren't exactly on a bad run of form. I think the last 10 games would won four, drew five and won defeat. But I think that was maybe the yeah. draws I'd maybe give the, the one of, uh, you know, a little bit of anxiety of, of we might lose us. I never really felt that we were going to, but uh, was it, also, it must have been a shock for the players. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think um, John was a good manager. I think, as I said, I've said a few times here about how he got the blend of players right which for me is a key thing as a manager. If you don't have the right players, you won't have the right team, no matter how well you train them. There's no doubt in terms of coaching, Jockey was a better coach. Um, John John was a good coach. He was kind of old school, as in old school then even. You know, so it was like, not quite a sergeant major type, but he was, um, he was definitely old school back in the day. So that makes it really old school today. You know, that would be a prehistoric almost um, the jockey was more kind of into the modern ways of tactics training you know and for example when jockey took over a, a training you would think if it was going to be more um, higher quality than the longer or whatever but no it was the opposite it was shorter so he would make shorter sessions so jockey had a warm up for 15 minutes 
a technical drill for 15 minutes, uh, play to a game situation for 15 minutes, and then finish with a game for 15 minutes. So basically, that's training session lasted just over an hour. And it was intense. It was intense when you were doing it. So it was quality rather than quantity. Whereas with John McCormick, training would sometimes last up to three hours. And you were kind of, <laughs> you know, getting flogging a dead horse sometimes with training. So that was the difference. Jockey was more, kind of, it was quality rather than quantity in terms of his training. Just his experience, I think, as a coach, he was better. just a better uh, coach, but... And saying that, that's not to any way disrespect John. John was an excellent coach as well, but in a different way. Yeah, I, I can imagine uh, John McCormack using Harry Hay at his full uh, whim to make his run up and down. Yeah. God knows what the the, uh, the law, the multis story blocks from there. There used to be, I think the older Dundee teams used to run up and down the big multi story blocks, uh, <laughs> maybe before health and safety kicked in. Um, I can imagine him yeah. uh, making Harry Hay uh, yeah. his money's worth off him. <laughs> Obviously, Jockey came in, uh, it was a familiar face for yourself. I take it if yeah. they were going to be bringing somebody in, uh, that would probably be the person that you would have liked to have seen to get Dundee over the, the, the finishing line. Yeah, I think so. The person I, I had confidence with the appointment of Jockey. I was disappointed obviously when John left. But it was I was really confident that Jockey would not only maintain a position, which is so strange when you make a change of manager when you're top. I don't think that happens very often, but I had confidence in Jockey and you know and proved to be the case. He 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 was a good manager. I'd worked with him at Aberdeen, enjoyed working under him at Aberdeen alongside Alex Smith and Jockey were co-managers. Um, mm. A particular spell with Jockey, I think just after New Year, about January, February, and I went on a real good run. You know, the training was good, the, the game, the confidence in the games was good, so it was kind of like, just like a, a train momentum. I'm on a, I'm on a train just now, I don't know if that's why that, that's coming <laughs> to my head. But it was just like you had momentum and you just carried it on. Then you go over that line and won the league keep yourself motivated for the remaining games when you've won the league but right up to to win the league with five games to go at Wraith uh, quite a memorable day that day when we got, I think it was a draw we got at Wraith I wasn't fit really to play I shouldn't have played that game but I wanted to go on the park and so I think I played the first half and had to come off at half time just, I was in one leg basically um, with the injury that I had Achilles um, but you know to get that win that day at Wraith with the Dundee fans in the, in the stand behind the goal was was a memory that sticks with me and that, you know it was a, a memorable moment at that, that point that we got at Wraith to, to win the league Yeah that was my first time seeing Dundee actually well we won the Challenge Cup a couple of years beforehand but this was my first time I actually seen Dundee uh, winning some being good if we're going to be honest um, yeah. and uh, it was fantastic that the fans travelled there in their numbers we basically yes. Phil Starks oh, Park everything there was scarves God knows there was people face yeah. paints and uh, and everything yeah. um, but it did it, it seemed like that day was a little bit nervy and especially when Rafe got the goal yeah uh, it, did, it did seem a little bit nervy but then uh, Eddie Annan scored a header and it just seemed like, yeah. like we, we won't lose this. Um, we might go on to win it, but no. we're definitely no losing it. We're, we're going to win it. I take it that was the kind of the feeling as well within the players, um, obviously on the pitch and on the, the bench. 
that was a feeling, yeah, but obviously it's, they're still nervous. Like you, you're thinking, well, if you don't want it. And it, it, it turns out you probably would have been okay if you'd lost the game, you'd probably got it the next week. But you didn't want to think that way. It's just a big back in that day. And, you know, that even thinking that back and gives you goosebumps, thinking how many the D fans were in the, that end. Um, and the Wraith, at the Wraith Stadium, you know, that, that was a memorable moment. You know, when you think of your highs and your football career, that, that's, you've brought that one to my mind now. And that, that makes me goosebumps in the back of my neck you know thinking about it but that was how special it was to me I remember going back to Dundee that night going to one of the local pubs with the guys and just mixing with the supporters and just enjoying the moment we enjoyed it really did enjoy it you know when we'd worked hard all season and I think it was a couple of weeks later we had the presentation in the park um, a picture that I've still got on my wall actually getting the, the championship trophy and a couple of days later we with a I think in the balcony at the the D City Centre in the, in the town hall, the Caird Hall. You know that that was memorable as well. So these were really good moments, and I think then we we capped it off that season. We go in a club holiday that was laid on to go to somewhere like Magaluf. <laughs> so there was Jim McInally, Jim McInally, myself, and I think that was it. Jim McInally, myself, that we were now at probably had a few coffees, but the boys were kind of getting. They, they had four or five days just kind of uh, blitzing the, the pubs, as you can imagine. And yeah. eventually they joined us for coffees. They joined us for coffees about the fifth or sixth day and then we headed back after a week to dry out. But it was a great, a great end to the season and a great memory of that season. One of the stories that, because uh, we've also spoke to Gavin Ray before, uh, Gavin and Dave have uh, spoke to us about when they bumped into the Hearts Scottish Cup winning team. Oh yeah, at, at the time, yeah. uh, were you and were you around to that the 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 Hearts team at that time when they made their comments? I know because at the time I remember being really motivated by what they'd said, and of course the following season in the Premier League, we beat them four times. Is yeah. that incredible or not? I know. You know, to to get a clean sweep, to get a clean sweep against a, a, a team that were kind of belittling you and their celebrations, but we just obviously used that, and just every one of us that were on that trip used that as a motivation to get those twelve points in the Premier League the following hey, season. Even when I speak to players who have not done a podcast with uh, that that were in the squad at the time, and everybody mentions that says so that was it. as soon as. They yeah. made their comments that the know that they gave any less percentage. It just seemed like this is it. We're we're going to win this game. An extra ten percent on top of the extra ten percent we're going to give. Uh, that was it. And to get the four wins, everybody says that was just uh, uh, just it was fantastic. A bit of sweet this after the comments they'd made. Absolutely, absolutely, and really, really sweet. Yeah, especially one of the one of the games um, uh, was it was a Davy Weir OG. So to win a game yeah. like that as well, I think it was it Russe came out, tried to save it half yeah. Davy Weir, and it goes in for an OG. That's and just wee things like that, yeah. you think that probably makes it sweeter for the players to, to win the game uh-huh. in that manner. After just that stupid comment from them, I mean, so, dis- so disrespectful and, you know, no need for it. But, you know, if they want to say that, then they say it. But they got the consequences. <laughs> we got the results. <laughs> and an easy 12 points. <laughs> Well, helped help finish the season so well, but it's you know the season obviously. But at one stage of the season, I think the early first game maybe Tynecastle it was an important win because we didn't. I think it was our first win that, to get it under the belt, you know. So you know, 
at the end of the season when it looked comfortable, it wasn't comfortable there. The part of that season we're kind of struggling at the bottom until we get ourselves on a on a good bit of form and a bit of a good run and got out of the bottom there and get into the middle of the table and then fifth place. But you know, in the early stages, the first one game against uh, Tynecastle was a, a key game, and we got that that win just by as you say, the mental side of it, it's that one percent. Yeah, even that season, like obviously, uh, was stayed up and everything like that. Um, but at the same time, we also had the the a factor of Dens Park not being up to the, the, yeah. the criteria that the SPL wanted, and near the end of the season, there was also all the chat about potentially Dundee being expelled from from the yeah. league. And this is even when the, the stands were getting built. How does that affect the players? Uh-huh. I mean, is that something that stuck in your mind, or was it just a case of let's go, let's let's finish up high as possible that we could just uh, kind of stick it to them for the kind of the yeah. threats? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's so long now that you're kind of having to draw back your memories here. But yeah, I mean, because on the whole, you're, you're also thinking we've just got to look after the things in the park and then if it, things off the park are out with your control, there's nothing you can do about them. But on the park, we could do all we could on the park to make make it as, as, as good as it could be and thankfully we did. But, and then it came together off the park as well. So, you know, you've got the fine stadium got at Dens now that it, it wasn't looking good at one stage during the season when you thought you forget that in those times you had to rebuild I mean Aberdeen for example should have been relegated after I, I'd, I think I'd retired yeah I'd retired by then but Aberdeen finished bottom in the Premier League and just because of a technicality Falkirk couldn't come up because they didn't have the stadium ready I mean that that seems nowadays like so on. Believable how that could have happened, but it did. You know, that a club didn't have a ground ready because everybody's got their kind of stadiums ready. Even lower league teams have got decent stadiums now, you know. But in, in that transition time, there was a period where clubs just couldn't manage to get the, cl- the grounds built in time to meet the safety criteria, like the, the criteria of 10,000 seats or whatever, you know. It was ridiculous really to get a 10,000 seat when you didn't have a crowd of 10,000 every week for your games anyway. It was just asking clubs to do things that were economically not viable. Yeah, a lot of financial strain against clubs who probably struggled, uh, like like Falkirk who were yeah. denied the opportunity to come up. Yeah. Um, and, and Rockville was a, a fine stadium. <laughs> I know it's a... a, a it was old. There was yeah, standing. You wouldn't get away with that. But it was. It was nice. I, I actually enjoyed the yeah. going to Brockville. Um, always a good city right. to go to. I mean, I go by on the train, as I say, when we were doing an interview today. But I go by the train every every twice a week. Uh, where Brockville used to be, it's now a Morris's supermarket. You know, but it goes right. The train station, the train line goes right past it. So you get a memory of Falkirk every time I, I come down here on a Monday and a Friday. So over your time at Dens, it was. Uh, 78 appearances it doesn't seem much obviously the fans uh, remember you fondly and uh, I've, I've never heard the bad word said against either and, and you scored four goals so a man of uh, not many yeah. goals but important ones but we can let you off because you probably saved a lot of goals going in pick one moment of your Dundee career that stands out the most uh, or one goal which one which one would you say is the one that comes flying back straight oh, away the one that comes back straight away is the Dundee United game you know, the 2-0 win at the end of the season. The goal that I got above Dykes right ahead of in. We mentioned it earlier. 
and it was in the shed end in front of the fans. It doesn't get any better than that. That would be the goal that stands out the most. I mean, some of the games that stand out are things like an 0-0 draw Ibrox against Rangers, the, f- the first game we had before we took them back to the ends and lost 2-1 in the replay. But, you know, 0-0 against Rangers at um, Ibrox was a good result in the Scottish Cup. But, yeah, goals, I'd like to have scored more goals. Cause most of my teams, whether it be Ross County or Aberdeen, I did score quite a number of goals. But for some, some reason, I didn't seem to get a number, of, a number of goals. I think the appearances... You say 78 doesn't sound a lot, but you know, over two seasons, that was pretty much every game for two seasons, apart from a couple of suspensions. I think I had uh, where I missed three or four games. Other than that, I played every every game. So, you know, my memories of Dundee are really, really high. They're as favourable as most people associate me with Aberdeen, but my time at Dundee was as memorable as my time at Aberdeen. And, and for that, I can only thank the Dundee fans who I certainly loved. And thankfully, it's nice of you to say that. But it seems as if the Dundee fans love me now. It's a few years since I've been asked to something in Dundee. So that love that I have for Dundee is obviously with time, it kind of goes to the back of your memory. But I look forward to maybe getting asked to some Dundee event. Kenny's gone. He's gone away to America now. So maybe he was behind a lot of the invites that I used to get. But I certainly don't get any invites. So I miss. <laughs> Whether it be a game or uh, a supporters club thing, I, I love. I used to love going to those things in Dundee. But maybe one day we'll get a chance to come back in the future. But it's just great to to share these memories and the great times I enjoyed in Dundee. Stanley, well, I'll put the feelers out. I'll get the the supporters club when they're end the season uh, dinners, and I'll be seeing get bring Brian Irvin down to you. What are you doing? Look, get him, get him there. I'll, I'll, um, I'd love to. I'd love to, Danny. The 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 Irvine name though the connection, it's it's uh, I never stopped for you at Dundee though. Uh, some fans know it, some fans don't. But your uh, your nephew played for Dundee, Gary Irvine. Uh-huh. No, my nephew Gary was delighted how well he did at Dundee. And my dad thankfully managed to see a couple of games before he passed away. Um, when Gary was playing with Dundee, so yeah, we carried it on, and and uh, Gary carried it on, and. I think he carried the Irvine name on quite well. He had a good, he had a good career at Dundee and did well. You know, Gary was a good steady player. Um, he carried the name on. Of people who linked up, apart from the same surname, but yes, yeah, my, my brother's son. So, Gary was a, a fine defender for Dundee, a good servant, especially through the 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 defiant season uh, when everybody just. Had to even if they had an injury, they'd had to play. But I do remember he got the the nickname the White Cafu because he started scoring a lot of goals yeah. in the Premiership at one yeah. point. I think it was like something like five weeks on the on the trot he scored goals, uh, and it just came out of nowhere because previous to that, he he never looked like the type that would score any goals. And the next thing you know, he was prolific. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and he did well for, uh, following me at Ross County as well. So he played at Ross County too. So you know he carried the name on well. Thanks very much for coming on to speak to us. I'm sure all the Dundee fans will enjoy hearing uh, hearing from you. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can see you back at Dens sometime in the future. Have you been catching a game or any any functions that that might be going yeah. might be going on? That'd be wonderful, Daniel. Hopefully that'll be the case, and it will be great if I get an opportunity to come back just to to connect again with the Dundee fans who mean so much to me. To be honest, it's not a cliche, it's not a patronise, and I genuinely mean that. I really. A good bond with the D fans, and uh, they were very good towards me. And so for that, you'll never, you'll never forget that. So 
thank you so much for the interview as well today, Danny. I really appreciate your time. No problem, Brian. Thank you very much, mate, and we'll catch you later.